Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew this morning. We're going to be in chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I was going through some papers and I found some cute little stories that I had from the past. There was uh, three boys that were coming home from school and they you know, your daddy can do better than that daddy. And one boy said, you know, my dad is so fast that he can throw a baseball 90 miles an hour, pitch it, run and catch it before it goes across the plate. And I said, that's nothing. My dad can take a bow and arrow, shoot it, and catch it before it hits the target. And the other boy said, that's nothing, nothing at all. My dad works for the government, works all day to 4 o'clock, gets home at 3 I see some faces out there going, huh? <laughs> you'll, you'll get it later. Or maybe that's a little bit like three old ladies that were sitting at a restaurant, and they're talking about how things change when you get old. And one said, you know, I'm, I'm really getting forgetful. Uh, this morning, I was standing at the bottom of the stairs, and I couldn't remember if I just went up or came down. And uh, she said, oh, that's nothing. The other day, I was sitting at the edge of my bed, and I couldn't remember if I was getting in bed or Gosh, just gotten out of bed. Another one says, well, you know, praise the Lord, my memory, you know, I just haven't had trouble like you two, knock on wood. Oh, who's there? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 are worth going back and studying any time. Sermon on the Mount. Every verse is like a, a grape full of juice to be just savored. It's almost like the Proverbs, isn't it? You, each verse sort of stands by itself. And uh, we, could, we could do a series all summer on these. But I, I want to take the heart right out of the middle of Matthew the chapter 6 and just challenge us with us. We're getting ready to go into summer. We've gone through a lot the last two months. And what's life about? What are the focus? You know, a lot of what we live and do comes and goes. And life, where is it? On Memorial Day, my wife and her father were doing some things. And so we, I went out and I went down to one of the stores and grabbed something. And I was close by my mother-in-law's grave. So I stopped by Mrs. Hodge's grave. I know her, she's not there, but I just wanted to stop and think of her on Memorial Day and just spend a little time there with her. And I thought, you know, all the things, I don't think of her house, I don't think of her clothes, I don't think of any money, but I think of all the things and what her life was and the impact that she had on my wife and myself and my kids and on the church families that she's around and the stories that I've heard, how she worked with teenagers and the millions of meals she made for them and how many times she took people in and nursed them and loved them and just thought about all those things that she did. That's what life is about. It's not about things. And yet we spend a lot of our times counting our money. And we polish our cars and we make sure that it, you know, we have everything that's coming our due. And yet those things are going to be gone just like that. They really are. And Jesus 
is speaking to that and trying to tell them 2,000 years ago that that was true then and it's still true now. Matthew chapter 6, verse, 6, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would help us as we look at this truth you shared with us, that our hearts would be open to it and, and not just acknowledge it, but we would take it in as truth and, and order our life behind it and be around it and upon it. Father, help me as I preach, Lord. Often when we choose a, a well-known set of verses, we can turn our brain off, Lord. So I pray that you would help us to be alive to the truths in this passage. And before I finish praying, would you pray, Lord, speak to me today. I want you to speak to me fresh, Lord. Now, Father, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. In this passage of Scripture, one of the most famous part of Matthew chapter 6 is verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added, up, uh, added unto you. That really summarizes the section that we're in. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Get your priorities right. And so let's go back in verse 19. Um, do we believe that the Lord rewards do we believe the Lord watches our life? Do we believe that this life is not really what it's about? Do we believe that? It's up in heaven that really matters? That our life in the future is a lot more important than it is in the 30, 40, 50, 60 years that I live for God down here? We believe that in our head, but we don't always live that way. And so he says here, he talks about number verse 19, the folly of emphasizing earthly riches. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Why? Where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. I could just tell you stories about times that I kept something and I was sort of hoarding it up and then when I finally opened that thing only to find that it had been defiled by mold or rust or some bug had gotten in there and destroyed it. I remember one time, my dad, uh, during the Vietnam War, but it's a long time ago, my dad had grown up during World War II, and they had a lot of embargoes where you couldn't get stuff in and out of the States. And my dad, my dad just loved sweet things, and he was afraid that we would not have sugar. So my dad went down and bought, I'm thinking like 20, 50-pound bags of sugar. And they took them upstairs, I mean, just stacked them up like you would, you know, just like stacks of cement legs and put them up there. And I can remember my mom said, go get another bag of sugar. I tell you what, after about a year, the sugar ants found them. And I don't know how they got in those bags. But when we opened up that bag and we opened up and started pouring out all these little bugs, just came out. And they got in there and, and destroyed that. My dad opened another bag and another bag and another bag and another bag, and it was all ruined. You ever had something like that happen? 
just gets in and destroys it. You're hoarding it up. And this is what the Lord is talking about. He says, be careful that you are working so hard to grab all this, but moth and rust doth corrupt it. I've been ministering long enough to watch a lot of older people get to the end of their life. And we ought to be gathering to, to be ready for the older part of retirement in our life. But it's amazing, just one good sickness, and it could be gone. Or at least a great big hole can have. One big downturn in a stock market can wipe out 30%, 40% or more of your money. And it happens overnight and it's irreversible. Be careful that your life is not built on the riches of this world. Because they, not if, they will corrupt. And they will go away. You know, probably the people we think of that thought they could take it into the next life would be the pharaohs of the pyramids. Boy, you know, just a few weeks ago, they opened up another, they found another whole, they just keep finding more and more little tombs and little places. And they get in and they, and they find that they had food for the other side. And it's all just powdered nothing. What are you emphasizing in your life? Verse 20 tells us the wisdom, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What's going to be in eternity? I find a lot of people that I visit and I encourage spiritually, they say, I understand about heaven. I agree with you, pastor. You're right, pastor. There's no argument, but I've got, and they, then they talk about, their job, their situation, and all their emphasis is about the things. And they say, well, I'll get around to serving the Lord later. Can I tell you as a pastor, how many times I've tried to tell people, if you put the Lord first, he'll take care of the things. So there's great folly in spending a life to get that which you can't keep. You're gathering and gathering to watch just a hole be poked in it and, and just flowing it out, nothing you can do. And yet there is a way, the Lord says, that we can invest in eternal values in our life. And you know people spending time with the Lord, Martha and Mary. Martha thought it was so important that that house be clean, the food be fed. They had lots of people. Mary, 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 come in. Oh, she just wants to hear Jesus sitting over there. Get over here, you lazy. Jesus, tell Mary that she's wrong. Martha, you're wrong. Martha, you're wrong. Do you know we can even be wrong here at Westside Baptist Church, painting the auditorium, putting carpet down, mowing the lawn, weed eating, and just forget about Jesus? We can just get our emphasis in the wrong direction. There's a great folly of emphasizing the physical over the spiritual. And you spend your whole life and you find out you have nothing as you enter into eternity. So there's a wisdom. There's a wisdom when, when, when you spend, when you invest in that which is eternal. Look at verse 21. Here he gives the principle. He sort of draws it together. For where your treasure is, the honest truth is that's where your heart is. I was listening as I was going down the road. I'm 
in that retirement age technically now, so I'm thinking, you know, listen to a retirement investing program. And a fellow was trying to explain some things, and he said, he said, stop. He said, I'll tell you a way to tell you uh, what's important to you. He said, go through your checkbook and see what your money's spent on. That's what's important to you. Well, that's putting right, right down where rubber meets the road, isn't it? We can talk about how important things are, but I tell you what, if we went to your bank account, you know, you got that check coming in each week, you know, here comes my check uh, from my work and all the rest, where does it go? That's where your heart is. And I find so many people have trouble with something just as simple as tithing. And we're talking so much beyond that this morning. Where's your treasure? There's your heart. There's your heart. I've known men that their, their heart, it was very obvious, their heart was in sports. Boy, they had all the clothes. They had all the baseball cards. They, they could have all the entrance tickets. They could go down to you know, all, the, all the big games at the Astrodomes and all the different places like that and get good seats and all the rest. But then they never just seemed to have any time, money spiritually for the Lord or time for the Lord. Where your treasure is, just be honest with yourself. That's where your heart is. We spend on what we care about. And I challenge us this morning, where is your heart? Just look at your heart. Look at verse 22. He says, the light of the body, he gives us sort of an example for us to, to make this clearer for us. He says, the light of the body is the eye. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's an example. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be made single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And here we have the idea of the eye. Your eye can only be focused on one thing at a time. We're not like windows where you can have two things going, okay? You, you're, you're focused on things. And our focus ought to be on Christ and on eternity. Where is your eye this morning? Is your eye in the stock market all the time? All day long, checking on the stock market? Is your eye on the baseball score all day long? Where's your eye focused? He says here, the eye is to be single. And the eye being single is, is the idea of, here's a pair of glasses because when I look out, my eye has, has uh, no ability to focus all the rays back in the back of my eye into a single image. So everything's all blurry. And a lot of Christians say, I don't understand what's going on in life or what's important. Get your focus on Christ. The rest of it will come along. Get back in the Word of God. Get your priorities where they belong. Get your focus singleized. But when we have many things that we put up next to Christ and make them like God in our life, then we get frustrated. And the Bible says, if the eye be evil, and the idea, if the eye has these stigmatisms where it can't focus on anything, then you're going to have a bad result. And he lays the principle down in verse 24. 
no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's money and things like that. You can't serve them both. So I'm here this morning to call us to our attention. Where's your heart? Where's your focus? Is Christ the one that you clearly serve above? Bottom line, end of the day, Christ is everything to me. That's what the Lord's calling us to. Get your focus. Teenagers, you're just somebody just finishing high school and you're graduating. Where's your focus? Well, I'm trying to focus on getting a job and I'm focused on getting some new clothes and got to get myself a ride. I got to figure out where I'm going to go to college. I got to get a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Get your focus on Christ and these things will come along. You can't serve two masters. Who are you serving today? I'm serving my boss. Does your job dictate your spiritual life? Does your lifestyle dictate your spiritual life? Does getting things dictate your spiritual life? Does your commitment to some sports organization dictate your spiritual life? This is what he's talking about. You can't have Two things run in your life. You love the one, and the other you begin to despise. And that word despise in the Bible gives the idea that you begin to think it of little value. And actually, I think it comes to a point where you say, going to church, uh, I really, I'm getting sort of angry in my heart. I'm always talking about putting God first. You'll love the one, and the other becomes a pain. And I can't imagine in my life where reading my Bible and serving God and living holy and doing all the things like that, I actually begin to resent. And yet, there are times, could we not admit, that these other things grab our life. I would rather be at than here. I would rather doing that than doing this. Our eye has become double. When that happens, you need to go to the doctor and get glasses. You got to get your eye focused again. And so the Lord Jesus goes on in the passage of Scripture, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Wow. Don't let your life run your spiritual life. Don't, don't get so busy worrying. And I'll lay it out ahead of time before we go into Scripture he lays three areas that people get focused on in their life. Food, their body, and their clothes. Was he here in 2020? There are people that are so filled up with what they're going to eat next. I had a person come on our staff several years ago, and they went up um, Mason Road and I-10. They said, you know what? You could eat at a new restaurant every night for six months and never repeat yourself. Mmm. And 
we began to see more and more of that person. <laughs> and there are people, that's what their life is consumed about. It's all about food or special Mediterranean diets or, you know, all the different things. Oh, perfect steak. Have you seen the price of steak lately? I went to take the teachers out, and I had a place I was going to go in mine, and I said, we aren't going there now. Didn't want to spend next year's budget on this year's teachers. We had a nice meal. Don't feel bad for them, okay? But that's what some people, it's all about. About food. The next meal. Everything. God says, I will never suffer the righteous to beg bread. Your body. Exercise. You know what the Bible says? Exercise profiteth a little, but spiritual exercise has eternal value. And there are people that are so busy on the external, making sure they're the perfect weight, they have the perfect, they have the perfect food, and the third thing, the perfect clothes. Their life is consumed with this, and the Lord is left in the dust. You can't serve two masters. So having that in mind, let's look how the Lord unfolds it. Therefore, verse 25, I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet of your body, what ye shall put on. Do you see the three things there? Is not the life more than your meat, more than your body, more than your clothes, your raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, and he gives us an example of birds. They don't sow. They don't gather into a barn anywhere. Yet your heavenly Father feeds the birds. Are you not much better and more important than a bird? Can we say amen? If God takes care of the birds, Mindy doesn't care for birds. first month that she worked here, we were remodeling the back of the church. We tore all the back walls out and we redid the nursery. And so we opened all the doors and there was sheetrock dust flowing everywhere. And Mindy's in an office over here. And lo and behold, a bird flew in. I, I didn't know how, how afraid of birds Mindy was. She said, you either get that out or I'm going home. So we went at it. We got the bird out. And said, see, see it fly out? She goes, good. We didn't know another bird was there. <laughs> so we couldn't help it. We went and got a mechanical bird. And Mindy never knew what drawer she was going to open, and there was another bird. Listen, if God cares about birds, Mindy, he cares about you. God cares about you. He feeds the bird. He clothes the bird. He gets him in all the rain. He takes care of him in the storms. Can he take care of you? 
And yet, here I am saying, I've got to take care of me. God said, let me take care of you. You focus on what's important. And yet, we keep reversing it. Can we say amen? Who is saying this directly? The Lord Jesus Christ has come to the earth, and in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, be careful that your eye stays focused where it belongs. Verse 27, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit, that's 18 inches, to his stature? We would say in our modern vernacular, by thinking you can't add an inch to yourself. I was looking on uh, YouTube the other day for something, and it said, play this and you can grow two inches. I thought, wow. Just by playing this, this whatever, you're going to grow two inches? I don't know what they're, what they're thinking. <laughs> but there are a lot of people that would like to believe that. My, my height. And the Lord says, you can't determine your own. I gave you the, I bring it all together. I feed you. And you grow from a baby up to here. And if I can take care of your growing, I can take care of your spirit, everything else. Get your eyes on what matters. You could stretch all night long. I'm going to be taller. <laughs> the Lord said, just keep your, keep your mind. Verse 28. And why do you think about raiment? Why do you think about clothing is what we would say. Consider the lilies. Lilies would be one of your more beautiful flowers. How they grow and how they don't toil, neither do they spin. In other words, they don't even know how to sew or iron or put spray starch or you know, wash and dry. or They don't do any of that stuff. And yet look how God arrays them. And the Lord says, if I care about the birds and you can't do anything to grow yourself and I care about the most beautiful flower in the world and I let it, can I take care of you? And yet you think you have to do it. It's God's business. Verse 29, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as good as a lily. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not, I circled it, much more clothe you. And now he brings an issue. O ye of what? Little faith. We got to learn to trust God to take care of us. Obey him when he speaks. Let God guide. Let him put his hand underneath us when he said, step out. O ye of little faith. So apparently, the issue for most of us is that we think that we have to do what God says he has to do, and we don't have the faith to really believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And yet God said, I'll take care of you. You just keep yourself focused on what matters. Look at verse 31. Therefore, he repeats what he started way back in verse 19. Take no thought. 
What does that word take no thought means? Don't sit there, be consumed by it in your thinking. You ever been going to go somewhere or somebody promised you a nice meal or something and you just find yourself thinking you're at work, you're at school, you just keep thinking, it just keeps grabbing your thoughts? The Lord says that we are not in our spiritual life that we're supposed to be accomplishing and living a life for God to allow it to be hijacked by this other stuff. Because God says, I'm going to take care of that. And yet you're focused on that. And I've got so much more for you. And yet you're focused on the minutiae around you. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles, and we say, do unsaved people seek? For your heavenly Father, and here's the second thing, he knows already your needs. Boy, that's comforting. Before I ever go to God in prayer and realize I have a need, God says, I know. I know. God's not surprised that you had a rent payment due, that the car is going to need to be replaced, that your job's playing out, that you just split your britches and you need nude ones. I know. I know you got a, a dentist bill that just came in. I, I know you had to go to the doctor and that it was more than you thought. It didn't come in a good time. God says, I know. I know. And could I say, apply it to us in the last two months? God knows. I read in an article Tuesday on the, they said that psychiatrists that evaluate people would say that one-third of the United States people are clinically in distress. One-third. We wonder why these riots are taking place. You know, if we as Christians keep our eyes on the Lord, we won't be in distress. I think one of the things that's been so hard for me as a pastor is this is not a criticism. It's just I don't know how to help people that are in their home and then locked off and then maybe they stopped having their Bible reading and stuff and they've somehow, they didn't mean to, but they sort of got separated over here. And I want to say, let God get back to number one. You didn't see, but Christians, we have stuff. This is just an example. The busyness of life, the, the hardness of life, the, the big problems, the expenses of life. Lord says, let me take care of all that. You just get your eyes back up and do what's right. You focus on me, and I will take care of you. In verse 32, I circled the word, two words, these things. For after all these things do the Gentiles Seek after, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all, and I circled again, these things. You know, these things is pretty generically big, isn't it? Here he labeled it in those three categories. He labeled it in the category of food, body, and clothes. But God says, I know about all these things. 
and you fill it in. And then comes the most famous verse in this passage to me. I hear it all the time. Songs, people say it all the time. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And there is that words in all the, these things. All these things shall be added unto you. Not a might. And that goes back to the two principles we've learned. God knows and by faith God can take care of anything. Oh, ye of little faith. Quit trying to do so hard what God said he was going to do. You just do what's right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Every once in a while, I have to really say this to myself. My wife and I, my wife can get so busy, and so can I. And we have to sit down and say, you know what? We gotten so busy that we try to take care of these things that we aren't quite focused where we need to be. Do you find that true in your life sometimes? You're not even trying to do anything bad. You're not out drinking and carousing. You're just so busy doing the things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Just do the right thing. Lord, what's the right thing? And all these things shall be added unto you. God says, you do your part, I'll do my part. I've told my testimony, but it's appropriate with the seniors graduating. When I came out of high school, I was wanting to go to college. And, you know, nobody in my family had ever been to college before. It's sort of hard to think I came from a generation like that. How many of you, your family has like that, no, no college grads and stuff like that? Yeah. I, my family was so proud, and I got a scholarship, and I, I was going to go, and they were going to pay all four years and all the rest, and I thought I had my things covered. But, you know, I would thank the Lord somewhere along the line. There must have been some good preachers pointing at me and saying, you know, just make sure you're doing God's will. And I can remember I was saying every day, God, I just want to know your will. I actually kept a diary during that period of time. In probably 15, 20 years, I got it out and I read it. And in there, I just kept saying, God, this is where I'm headed. I'm headed to Houghton College in, in uh, New York State. And, and Lord, if you don't want me to go there, you tell me, but that's where I'm going. But I want your will. I just want to do what's right. I wrote it over and over. In about the second week of August, God says, that's not what I want for you. And God turned my whole life and sent me off to Bob Jones University. And the second week on campus, God called me to preach. And here I am 50 years later. I didn't. I can remember when I went to my unsaved dad and said, Dad, I'm not going to use the scholarship that would pay for my whole college. He said, well, who, how are you going to go? I don't know, but God called me. And you know, when I graduated from college and I went to master's and got my master's degree, I still had $2,000 in my bank account. But then I got married. Oh, no, no. <laughs> 
seek you first. In the end, I don't care how you, you, you rule out your life, when it all boils down, we're going to stand before God. And all these things just won't matter. And yet I live my life for all these things. And I was foolish. Then the Lord adds one more thought. You don't leave off verse 34. That's the end of the chapter. He says, whoop, my Bible flipped. Take therefore no thought. There it's the third time. Do you see that? No thought. For the morrow. How many of you are worried about tomorrow? You don't have to raise your hand. Well, I've got some big decisions. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, boy, the economy right now. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. My job, my, boy, you know, my relationships. Don't quit worrying about tomorrow. Just do right when? Today. I've told this to a thousand people or more in my lifetime. How do you find God's will in your life? It's this simple. You find it one day at a time. You do what you know you're supposed to do today and you knew what's right tomorrow and you do what's right the next day and when you turn 65, you'll turn around and say, wow, I've been in God's will. Take no thought for tomorrow. For How's he put it here? He says, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Quit borrowing all the worry trouble. Worry never changed anything. And it belongs to God anyhow. I'm not just worried about the stuff I have. I'm borrowing worries. The Lord says, take no thought for the things of tomorrow. Now, does that mean I don't plan for retirement? I just spend it up and I'm, I, I don't I try to save up a little money for it. Is that what it means? No. It means quit worrying about all the things, even the things of tomorrow that seem possible. Just do what's right today. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What does that mean? You got enough on your plate without borrowing. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't borrow tomorrow's trouble. And did you know that probably 95% or more of what you're dreaming about problems will never come to pass? And you've used all the present energy for a lot of stuff that never will come. And it's made you veer out of God's right path. Just do right today. Wise planning is not discouraged. Faith Singleness of I, trust in God, 
allowing the goodness of God and faith in his ability to put his hand underneath your heart and mind is such a stabilizing effect. If you want to maximize your life, you focus on what you know is right today. And you won't regret it. These are the words from our Lord Jesus Christ. I put it down this way. Focus on Christ. Have faith in Christ. And then just follow Christ. Can I repeat that? Focus on Christ. Have faith in Christ. And then just follow him. That's what this passage says. If you're living an ungodly life and you not want the Lord to be first in your life and you're just determined to sort of live, this passage will have no effect on your heart. But I would say the vast quantity of us here would want to think of ourselves as following Christ in our lifetime. Then quit letting the things distract you. Focus on the will of God. Trust his goodness and his promises to undergird. Quit, quit making that the focus of your life. Let God take care of it. Sort of think of maybe a parent saying, I'm going to send you to school. I'm going to pay the bills. You just study. God says, let me take care of you. You just follow me. If you do that, you're going to fly. This basic truth is probably the struggle. Forget coronavirus situations. I see people move to Houston, leaving a problem, coming down here, grappling with problems, and they just never have time to get in a church, and life is all, and they just keep struggling and struggling, and I'll sit and I'll say, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I know, but oh, you weren't listening. Seek ye first the kingdom of God his righteousness and all these things shall be added. But you don't understand. I do understand. I understand that my God's able. His promises are real. And I know by faith, it'll work for every single person that trusts it. And I know I can't make that decision for you, and you can't make that decision for me. And I know this world is alluring, and the problems seem alarming, and those waves seem real. But with God's help, you could walk on water. Take no thought. Don't let this world and all of its situations just focus on Christ. And I must say this this morning. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it doesn't matter how many times you go to church and how many times you do nice things. You can't save yourself. Only Jesus can. When you... Quit trying to be a good guy 
doing nice things and better than you did bad and just say, I can't do it, Jesus, only you did. You died for me and you took my sin and I trust it. When that moment you place your faith in him, that saving faith, that's when it starts. Amen? Most of us here would say, amen, amen. Well, it doesn't stop just because you got saved by faith. You walk by faith. And that's the challenge the Lord Jesus has given here. Get your eye focused. And quit allowing these other things to be your thought. Think on these things. We had a hard time getting the message started today. There was challenge. And I can't help but feel there's probably some people that need this message. Whenever that happens, there's probably somebody here that's grappling. Maybe there's several grappling with the idea. Just letting go of the things and just relax into the trusting God. Get your focus. Get your priorities. Quit trying so hard to do what God said he's going to do. And just do right. Just do the right thing. Heavenly Father, may you help us to hear these words in our heart. And may you help us to heed them. Lord, even from the most focused of us to the one that maybe this morning is so filled with all the thoughts of life, may you help us all to turn and put our eyes freshly gazing on you. And let us run with the race with patience. And let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. Lord, do a good work in our heart right now. In Jesus' name.